Well, good morning, everybody. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day that we can gather in this way. Uh, would you please give us your spirit, especially now as we turn to your word. Uh, would you teach us what you have here before us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Current. I'm David. Uh, if you could listen to a recording of your last six months of prayers, what would you hear? Even if you don't identify as Christian, data suggests that most Americans pray. Uh, how have you been praying? I imagine for, for many, if not most of us, we've been praying things like help, asking for help to weather COVID-19. Maybe you've been praying for safety. Maybe you've been praying for health. Maybe you've been praying for loved ones. Uh, maybe you've been praying for a particular job situation or a particular relationship that's been stressful. Maybe you've been praying for a better Q, a AQI. Uh, it's not to say that these, are, these would be bad prayers. Uh, Jesus very famously said in Matthew 6, uh, when you pray, pray, among other things, give us this day our daily bread. And the apostle Peter said, cast your anxieties on God because he cares for you. So it is good and right to pray our, our worries, our desires, our wants to God. But what we see in the text before us today, if that's the only way we pray, we're missing out. We're missing out on on things of immense importance. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 31. And as you're pulling that up, uh, I'll bring us up to speed. And if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. The words will be on, on the screen for you. Uh, let me bring us up to speed. Last week we kicked off, uh, from we left off from Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit came upon the early church. Peter preached the gospel to a crowd of of onlookers that, that came to, to see what this big commotion was about. And 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus that day. Well, sometime later, Peter and another early church leader, John, were out walking, and they miraculously healed a lame beggar. God, through them, enabled this man to start walking. And this brought on another crowd of onlookers, people who had known this beggar to be lame, seeing him running around and, 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 and leaping and saying, okay, what, what's this all about? We got to check this out. And Peter knew what to do. He said, okay, another crowd? I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And launched into his charisma or proclamation about Jesus. You see that in chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Peter taught Jesus, the holy and righteous one of God, who had to be killed for the forgiveness of sins, uh, that God the Father raised him to life, and that through him, we can have life in him if we put our faith in him. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. And it says in Acts 4, verse 4, 2,000 people put their faith in Jesus that day. Well, it also got the attention of the Sanhedrin. That is the religious council of the day. The same one, by the way, that had arrested and had Jesus killed. It said that they were greatly disturbed by these events, specifically how Peter and, and John were proclaiming Jesus' resurrection from the dead. You can see that in verse 2. Well, Peter and John were brought before this Sanhedrin and to them very courageously proclaimed the gospel. Well, this just made the council want to kill them. Uh, it says they were, they were greatly uh, disturbed by them, um, and, and they would have had him killed, had them killed if not for the crowd. They were afraid of the crowd and what they would do if they had had that done. So instead, they had they warned Peter and John to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. We see that in verse seventeen. 
And then in verse 21, it says, after further threats, they let them go. So here's what we see. The early church now, for the first time, is staring down the barrel of persecution. In fact, it would not be much time after this that the early Christian church was, was being killed. They were being, they were being put in jail. They were being persecuted just across the board. That was what they were facing at this time. And this is what sets up our text today. So let's look at Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they, that is the church, heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. How did the early church pray when they faced hardship, when they faced persecution? Well, they began in praise. I love this. Their first response to hearing that persecution was what they were facing was not to pray for protection or provision. God, woe are we. God, deliver us. No, their first response was to give God praise. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They started with praise. If you do a survey of the prayers in the Bible, what you'll find is that for many of them, they start and remain as praise. In fact, all of the book of Psalms is essentially a book of prayers. And it's just praise after praise after praise. So much of the recorded prayers in the Bible are praise. Why? Because prayer at the end of the day is communion with God. It's not first and foremost what we can get from him or what he can do for us, but it's coming to him for who he is coming to him in personal relationship. Jesus said, when you pray, yes, pray, give us this day our daily bread, but first pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer, in other words, reminds us that we aren't in control, but we are in the hands of the one who is. And we need to praise the one who holds all things in his hand, is working all things for good. Uh, that shouldn't just be true when things are working out well for us or going well or, or convenient or comfortable, but should also be, maybe even more especially during times of hardship. We need to praise and thank God for who he is, what he has done, and what he can do. They said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You know, 
Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. What were they praying? They were praying, God, this is all under your control. You know, we might be facing persecution, but that's not outside of your control. You've got us in your hands, and that's where we want to be, regardless of the circumstances. In fact, they're, they're praying essentially, God, it's not like when your own son came into this world and was facing death threats and persecution that all of a sudden you're, you were no longer in control. No, you were in control even to the point of him go, going to the cross. And so, Lord, we understand that you are still sovereign. And if you had that under control, you have us and what we're facing under control. We give you praise because no matter what we face, we have you is what they were praying. I confess, when Shelter in Place first started for the first few months, I guess we've now been at it like six or so months now, for the first few months, I didn't have this posture uh, initially. I mean, I was more focused on the negative and, you know, what was hard. And, and that's not to say we shouldn't mourn things that are hard. I mean, we absolutely should. I'm just saying that I, that was my focus. I, my, my knee-jerk response wasn't as much praise as I wish it would have been, or as it has become more so now. Because when it first started, uh, you know, I was, I was a bit down. For instance, ministry-wise, the church had just launched two services. And we, you know, both services had a lot of life and energy. Five people had made first-time faith decisions to follow Jesus in, in six weeks. And, you know, just different things that were happening. It was a lot of fun, a lot of energy and all of that. And then the pandemic put us all under quarantine. And then personally, it's like, you know, I, I, I miss my creature comforts and being able to go out and eat the same way that we used to. And even more seriously, like, you know, think, thinking about my kids and how, you know, going to school over Zoom and not seeing their friends face to face is hard and, and all the rest of it. I was just mainly down. But then there came a turning point for me a couple months in where I believe God kind of got a hold of me and gave me some much better perspective. And that it was to see that, you know what, this is actually a great time to be alive. This is a great time to be able to be his church, to love and care for those around us. It might not be what we would hope for or want in terms of the circumstances, how they're playing out, but it's an opportunity to point people to Jesus. And we are in his control. He is the sovereign Lord. That's a great place to be. And we should give him praise in prayer. Uh, when you pray, do you praise God? Is that a part of how you pray? You know, imagine if you've never done, done it before or if you've done it in the past but aren't doing so now. It's kind of like, like you know, working a muscle. If you've never used a muscle before, you know, it, 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 it won't function too well. And if you use it in the past and haven't used it for a long time, it's atrophy. So you have to get kind of back into the habit. But we need to find ways to praise. You might be thinking, well, how do I do that? I don't, I don't know how to, to really praise God in prayer. Well, you know what? The early church actually gives us a great model here. If you look at verses 25 and 26, you see that they are praying scripture. I mean, literally, they're praying Psalm 2. Uh, they, they, they quote it and use that as a basis to pray their prayer. And that's a great way for us to learn to pray, to pray scripture. In fact, over the summer, we did something called praying the Psalms together, where you could come out and join us and we'd go through a Psalm and we'd, we'd, we'd go through a Psalm and use that as a platform to pray prayers. And a lot of, as I mentioned uh, before, a lot of the Psalms are 
prayers. Uh, so we would just pray those back to God in our, in our own words. In fact, if you want to join us, praying the Psalms is still continuing Tuesdays at noon. You're welcome to join us. Um, but here's what I encourage you to do, maybe even later today. Pick a psalm. Maybe, maybe here, here's one just to get you totally started. Uh, psalm 103. And just pray it. I mean, just the first five verses are enough to get you praising God for who he is. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my own inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives, who, who heals who redeems, who crowns you with compassion and love, and who satisfies your desires. I mean, that's just the first five verses. Uh, we could just use that as a launch pad to say, God, we praise you for who you are, what you have done, and what you can do, including in the midst of shelter and place or whatever hard circumstances we may find ourselves in. Uh, for many of you, you're facing really hard times. Maybe you're growing weary. Maybe things are just getting really heavy and really stressful. Uh, bring your anxieties before the Lord. Cast them upon him because he cares for you. Yes, pray those specifically to him. But I also encourage you to praise him for his sovereign control over your life and your circumstances, even when it's hard. Because sometimes that's the sermon, if, if, if you will, that our soul needs to hear. When we praise him, even in the midst of hardship, we praise truth over our souls and over our lives that we need to hear and we need to live from. How did the church pray uh, in, in the face of hardship and persecution? First, they praised God. Secondly, let's look at verse 29. Uh, they get to the, the request part of their prayer. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats and make them go away, no, and deliver us from them, no, and, and, and keep us safe, no. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What were they praying for? They were praying for boldness. They weren't praying for protection or provision. They were praying for boldness to point people to Jesus, to speak the word of God. Not only that, they were praying for the very things to continue that brought upon them persecution to begin with. Do you see that? Peter and John had been out there and they had healed the the lame beggar, actually God threw them, healed the lame beggar. And that's what brought about the persecution. And here they are saying, bring about more healings, more signs and wonders. If that's what it takes for people to come to know you and put their faith in you. I love this. Uh, when I was um, at a partner church a year or so ago, uh, there's about, I don't know, 100 people in a room at this partner church, they had invited out missionaries from different parts of the world that they uh, supported. And one person in particular, they highlighted, had to get up in front of everybody. They made sure to say, hey, you can't share any of this. None of this is being recorded. Everybody turn off your phones. Because it was a missionary in a part of Asia that where Christians face you know, persecution. Christians are being killed there. Christians are being taken to, you know, uh, they're, they're being arrested. Loved ones aren't hearing from them ever again, that sort of thing. And this this guy got up there and shared. 
and he just described just, you know, really scary situations. And then the, the lead pastor said, okay, how can we be praying for you? And I'll never forget the guy said, pray that we'll be able to share the gospel more and more. And I thought, man, that's so cool. Amen. He didn't pray, hey, pray that we would no longer face persecution. Pray that God would deliver us. Pray that the, the Christians being killed would stop. I mean, of course, those are wonderful things. And we can and ought to pray for those things. But his prayer was that the gospel would get out. That more people would come to know Jesus. I mean, this early church was facing persecution. And what did they pray for? First, they praised God because they said, hey, we're in your hands anyways, and that's where we want to be, regardless of circumstances. And number two, they said, and if this is your plan to bring people into the faith, then bring it on. It's no wonder in verse 31 that the place they were meeting was shaken. I mean, I have to think that was God saying, I'm proud of you. I love you. I am honored by this. And I want to put my stamp of approval on you. Because this is God's heart. It was God's heart, God's initiative to send his son into a world that would reject him. We all rejected Jesus. We all live rebellious towards him. That's what sin is. And yet he came to not just face death threats or persecution, but to, to die and to defeat death once and for all to give us life forever in his name. That's the gospel. That's God's heart to go into the teeth of persecution. Why? To lay down his life, to give us life. And that's the calling of the church. Now, we're not praying for persecution. Of course not. But we do want to, 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 to be of the heart and mind to put our comfort or levels of convenience behind loving and caring and serving for those around us. Would we be a church, current family, that first of all praises God, for all that he is doing, for all that who he is, regardless of circumstances, and, and also has the knee-jerk response of saying, even in the hard times, Father, would you help us have opportunity and give us boldness to point people to Jesus? Uh, this last week, we had a leaders huddle uh, as we we're getting ready to launch current, group, current groups, which we, we launched this past week. And I asked as a bit of a devotional to our leaders, hey, you know, what is our mission as a church going through the book of Acts? To acts to, to be witnesses for Jesus. What does that look like for you personally in the midst of shelter and place? And one of our leaders shared, you know what I realize this means for me? I need to be praying. I need to be praying for my coworkers. I need to be praying for my neighbors, my friends who don't know Jesus for opportunity to point them to Jesus. And I thought, amen. That's God's mission. And that's God's invitation for you and me. And that starts with prayer. Hey, let's bring our, our cares and our anxieties uh, unto the Lord because he cares for us. Let's bring our petition. Don't stop praying in those ways if that's you, but let's find ways to praise him, even in the midst of hardship, especially in the midst of hardship, and, and ask for boldness and opportunities to point people to Jesus because that's our mission. That's eternity. That's the great calling he's given us, to join him in the work that he's done for us and wants to do through us. Let's pray. Father, sovereign Lord, you created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. And Lord, you call us beloved. You sent your son to die for us, to bring us into your family because of what he did for us on the cross uh, by giving us the, the forgiveness of sins that by faith we can receive him and receive life. 
Father, I pray for every uh, person who is logged on today, who has never made a decision to follow you, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, draw them into your family even now, that you would, you would impress upon them your love. And then, Father, for, for all of us who have put our faith in you, Father, would, would we never stop praising you? Uh, even in hard times, especially in hard times, would, would, would our knee-jerk response to, to be to praise you? Because you are good all the time. And Father, would our knee-jerk response also be to pray for boldness and look for opportunities to join your Holy Spirit in your work to help people know and put their faith in Jesus. We love you. Thank you for bringing us together to be your church in this place at this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's continue worship at this time through song. I'm going to pass things over to Chris now.